0: Welcome to the Big Church podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.ca. So good. How many could have kept worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. We just get to just go off. And uh Continue and continue. I don't think we'll ever exhaust the goodness of God. Well, <clears throat> i tell you this week, I prayed in, in my heavenly language a lot. I was up uh, quite a few nights, and of course, wide awake, right? I wake up. Um, well, not of course. Some people aren't like that, but those who know me know uh, when I came up, one of the process to get up (laughs) i'm wide awake and so when god gets me up at three or four in the morning um i am not one of these that can roll over and just go back to sleep i am wide awake i'm like laying there (laughs) so it's a waste for me to do that so i just get up and i pray and uh and this is my reasoning for that is if it's the devil waking me up and I'm praying and reading my Bible, he's going to stop. <laughs> right? So um, so it hasn't stopped. And I've prayed in tongues a lot and um, prayed in my heavenly language. Why? Because there's a lot of things I don't know to pray. There's so many situations right now. There's so many things um, that we're encountering. Um, and I'm talking to so many pastors and churches and there's so many things that are just not in a good spot. And, and not that I, this isn't a depressing thing because God always has a solution. And God is always working. And it's never, ever a bad thing, even when things on the outward look bad. And so, but it's getting the mind of God. And so what I do in times like that is in the Spirit because when I pray in the Spirit, it builds me up in my most holy faith. When I pray in the Spirit the Bible says my spirit is talking directly to God and I'm praying the perfect will of God. My spirit to His, and it's the perfect prayer and he's praying the, the mind and the heart of God for those situations. And sometimes things will drop and I get a download um, that happens. Sometimes I just get peace um, and sometimes I just, I'm built up in my faith and when I go out into that day, boom, things just, it's there. And, um, and so I want to encourage you, praying in the Spirit. I've talked to several of my minister friends, and they're, they're doing that more. And um, it's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing. Whenever we increase the, the power of the Spirit of God side, the flesh side has to get weaker. One has to be stronger. One has to be weaker, right? And so I'm choosing to try to make the, that side strong. So it takes a little more effort. But we can do it. Amen? It's not impossible. And what I love about praying in the spirit is like it doesn't require me to have to think a lot. I can just. That's the great thing about the vocal miracle of heavenly language. It's my spirit talking directly to God. And if you don't have that, you can. It's a gift from God for everyone. And He wants us to have that prayer language. He wants us to be able to pray. Intimately with Him that way, because words limit us. But when our spirit talks directly to God, it's like Phew. I I I compared it to. For me, I I grew up in a Mennonite denomination that taught me that tongues was of the devil. So when I finally saw that in my youth years, when I went to On Fire Youth Group, and I saw all these lives being changed and transformed, and they're praying in tongues, I'm like, no, this is not the devil, the devil wouldn't make these people turn from bad to good, he's not dumb, right, and so I'm like, no, and so I started reading my Bible, and started seeking it out, and started realizing, no, this is in there, and this is for me, so once I finally received it, it took a lot of breaking down this Mindsets for me to receive it but when I received it I'll tell you I was like I went from a handsaw cutting a tree down to a chainsaw that's what it was like it was like I was like in my walk with God and all of a sudden it was like I was just I felt that like literally okay and as a believer growing up and not having that and then all of a sudden having it transforming So, that was something in the toolbox that I didn't know was in the toolbox. And I want to kind of touch on that today because I've been um, trying to narrow it down. I've got like 80 different directions I could go in. I'm never ever like, oh, I got to go to work. No, it's like God's speaking all kinds of things. Okay, God, what is it that you're wanting to bring specifically now? Trying to narrow it down. And so... um, This has been resonating in me, and it's a verse that I want us to go to in Luke 17. And and I've heard this before, but I've heard it from the negative side. And I want to bring out a side that um, you maybe have not considered. And it says in Luke 17, 26 to 27, it says, and when the Son of Man returns, it's saying it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. So, you know, we always look at it as, oh, there was wickedness and God had to destroy the earth and you know, that was a terrible, terrible thing and, and we're going to see that again, that great wickedness and, and God's going to come again in judgment and, and it, that's, that is true. There is that side, but But there's also the other side. What was Noah doing? We're going to look at it. Let's go to Genesis 6. We're going to just read the Bible. Again, I have lots of verses um, because we need to read our Bibles. And the, the stats for people that are reading their Bibles, it's very sad. It's like, what was the latest? 11%. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to have Bible reading with Pastor Greg (laughs) because we are going to read our Bibles. So this is scripture in verse. This isn't paraphrased. Let's look at uh, Genesis 6 starting at verse 5. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry. He had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. You know, and people, they're like, how could God ever do this? How could you and I do what we do to him? It breaks his heart. Like, Let's look at the other side of it. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people The large animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. And this is what I want us to focus on today. We're focusing on what Noah did. Because God had a plan then, and God has a plan now. With wickedness. Amen? And it says here, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Now God said, uh, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all the living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out, all all out along with the earth. Then he says, built a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar, inside and out. Then construct decks Installs throughout its interior make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat. Lower, the lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on the earth will die, but. I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and your wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground. And mosquitoes, they probably (laughs) will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all of the the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Now, I want us to see some parallels here that I want to bring into and jump right into now. Now, first of all, in that time, there had never been rain. The the earth, if you read your book, in the Bible before that, was watered underneath. It was like an irrigation system. The water just came up, and it was watered that way. So they didn't even know what rain was. So when Noah's telling everyone, you know, this is what's going to happen, like, can you imagine how many years it took him to build that boat? And they're going, what are you building? Like, no one knew what a boat was. He's building this pattern, this thing that God's told him to build, and he's following it, and he's building it. And people are, I'm sure, laughing at him, mocking him. Come on. It's completely different than what they knew. And, and Jesus said, it's going to be in that same time. There was this wickedness going on there, carrying on Mary and carrying on as if this is normal. But they completely went against God's ways, God's patterns, God's design. And we see this, and this is what happens when man goes without God. They start making all kinds of wonky decisions, and it's confusing. How many have been a bit confused? You know, we got here. Did everyone? Did there's this? I want you to see. um, Charities. It's the latest. Charities are at risk. Um, They're 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 looking at shutting down any. You know clinics that are supporting not being aborted and, and helping these mothers see what they're doing and supporting them to be able to have that baby. We have a, a, a pregnancy cl- a resource center here in Barrie that, that we support. But the government's saying, no, we're not, going to, we're not going, to, we're going to take their charitable status away. And anyone that supports them, that's the next step. And, you know, we're looking, you know, and this is what, you know, I look at. Where is the justice in a person? You know, we say freedom of choice. Where is the justice when the person who gets to make the choice is already born? Where is the justice in that? There is no, who's speaking for the one who can't speak? Who? Who? It's, it's unjust scales. And yet now we have government saying and pushing that. And you know what? That's what people do when they're separated from God. And we can go on and on, because there's all kinds of wonky stuff that's going on. That's why I want to stick close to God like Noah, I be close to what He says. I want to read his word and understand his ways. I don't want to hear your pipe dream of, I feel God's this, I feel God's that, I feel in, in all your opinions. You don't need my opinion. You need the word of God. We need the word of God. Amen? That's the anchor that we build our life. And so, just like God had a physical arc of deliverance, we now have a spiritual ark of deliverance that we are building in this last days. And, and Jesus was the one that brought it. So this is what God did after Noah. We know that he, he gave a rainbow to say, I will never do that again. So aren't you thankful when you see the rainbow that it's the promise of God that he won't destroy the earth. Amen? And that's what we hold to and then God made steps and he said okay now I've got to unfold my plan of redemption so what did he do he called out a man he called out a a human and it was Abraham and he said I'm going to make a covenant with a man and then I'm going to bring it forth from a family and that was Abraham and then Isaac his son then Jacob and from that family he created a nation amen the Israelites. I'm giving you a real brief, brief synopsis. But then from that nation, then he said, I'm going to establish my laws, and I'm going to establish my ways. And he brought Moses, and he said, okay, these are the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? And he said, these are my ways. Then he brought in those laws, and we gave, he gave us all kinds of things to be able to understand how to live, and he unfolded all of that. And then he, re- he showed us, we can't do this. We have a perfect holy God. He is a perfect holy Apart from the blood of Jesus, apart from us receiving what he has for us, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. Every day. But he is there. And as we keep our eyes on him, he causes us to walk closer to him. He cleans our lives up. He changes us. Amen? And so this is, so then what he did is he unfolded this plan, but then he showed, okay, you know what? Someone has to stand in in the place because he said the wages of sin is death. That's what he established in the law. And he says someone is going to pay that wage once and for all. And he brought through those people The Messiah, his son. And he lived sinless. And he paid the price. And this is what the Bible says about him. Verse Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. And this was given um, uh, hundreds of years before he came to the earth. It was a prophecy about him. He said, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. This is the ark. This is the ark. It's a new government. It is greater than an earthly government. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Amen? He will rule with, I love this, fairness. (laughs) How many need a little bit of fairness and justice? Come on. I have one granddaughter. She's the fairness police. And uh, she'll come in there and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. This is what drives it, is, is the passion of the Lord. And, and we'll see this. We're going to look at this in Scripture. But I want us to see that <clears throat> there's something that we can be busy about doing now. We, we don't need to be talking about everything and how wonky it is and how bad it is. We need, to, we need to understand it. You need to look at Bill C-4 and understand what it is. You need to understand some of the laws that have come in that are totally against the values and and things that God, the Word of God teaches. And it's actually making it criminal for us to to talk about it or do anything about it. So what do we do with that? We pray over it. We ask God, God, what do you want me to do? But what do you want me to build? And how do you want me to build it? Amen? Because Jesus came in a time when Roman rule was oppressive. The crucifixion was the worst kind of death you could have. It was an evil, brutal death. And he came in that time. He came in an oppressive, barbaric time. And here's loving Jesus love the barbarians. And he did. His love cut through everything, and his kingdom. He, he, it, it's with, it was powerful, and we're going to look at this. Um, this is what it says about Jesus uh, in Acts ten thirty eight. It says, and, and we know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And it says, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is what he did. And we, when we see, if you look at the pattern in the Gospels, he went about teaching, preaching, healing, and delivering. Preaching, teaching, healing, and delivering. He was casting out demons. He was healing the sick. He was always teaching. He was always giving instruction. And he was always preaching it and, and putting faith and hope and, and, and lifting people. He was bringing the kingdom. And he said, the kingdom of God is near. It's near. It's not way out there somewhere. And he introduced us to a loving father. He was the first one who introduced God as a father. He's the first one that... How many know the the Lord's Prayer? We used to say it in school all the time. Let's say it because it's so powerful. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, that prayer is, is a kingdom. It's, it's, it's not, it's all the principles that we need to be living. He's a father. He's hallowed. He's, he's not just an earthly father. He is grand poobah. He's papa, papa, papa. Right? He's the best. And, and, and let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we as the church are following a heavenly pattern that we are bringing down. That's good. That's good. We are bringing it down. We don't have to sit there and complain about this and complain. This is wonky. That's wonky. That's wonky. Yeah, it is. Why? Because people without God are lost. Well, why don't they change? Because they don't. Because... People are wicked without God. Apart from God, you can't know what's right and wrong. We see that, right? I don't need to go on all the stories because they're all, they're super. There's <laughs> practical to it on so many things and so levels. Are we going to spend time on that? No. My ark of deliverance for my family and for the family of God and for all of those who want to come into this. And it's built on God's kingdom. But I want us to see something with Jesus. Jesus was passionate about his pattern and what he wanted. And he straightened things up when he needed to. And we're going to look at this in Matthew twenty-one twelve. It says, Jesus entered the temple... And he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of of thieves. Let's stop there before we go on to the next part. And so what happened here is the, 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 the leaders of that time that were supposed to be doing God's work in the temple decided, you know what, we're going to make a little bit of money here, because there was an exchange between temple currency and regular currency, and they're putting up these exorbitant rates and getting all of this high return, and they figured out all kinds of different ways, and it's it's for the building fund. We can justify everything, and I'm not against building churches and building things for God, but but not at the cost of Stripping people of and and being unjust in the way that you do it. And Jesus saw this going on. He saw this wickedness in the temple. He is going to, to have Passover with the family of God. And he didn't go in there and just say, it's not very nice, guys. You shouldn't be doing this. No, zeal for his house consumed him. And that's what John said in his account of this in the Gospels. He says, it came to my mind, zeal for his house has consumed him. And how could he do this? Because he was perfect love. And you can't do that unless you're perfect love first. People are like, I want to just do that. Yeah, you just want to be an angry person and take your anger out on everyone. No, that was perfect love it was like a mama with her bear cubs. And someone touched her bear cubs. And she's super loving with her babies, but don't get near her bear cubs. Or she turns into what? A bear. Right? But look at this. After he straightens this out, next verse. The blind. And the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. He brought it back to what it was supposed to be. The leading priests, this is how wonky the leaders got. The leading priests and teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. This is how off their heart was. That they're seeing wonderful miracles. They're seeing God touching lives. And they're indignant. Why? Because look at it, it says here. They asked Jesus, Do you hear these children, what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you even read the scriptures? <laughs> I love this. You've not been reading your Bible? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise out of the mouth of babes will come praise this is the thing was building and he was wanting to bring life he was wanting to bring something that that would be an ark of deliverance and it is and it will continue to be that ark of deliverance and it, but we have to ask ourselves, and this is the title of the message, finally got to it, what are you building? What are we building? Because everyone is building something. Everyone. Everyone. You know what it says in First John 2? And, you know, someone once said to me way back, and it stuck with me, he says, you know, you'll always find time for what you put first. you'll always find time for what you put first. And so it says here, do not love this world nor the things it offers. 1 John 2, uh, verse 15. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in your achievements and possessions. So this is what the, the best That the world can give you. Can give you a lust for your eyes. I want this, I want this, I want this. And brag about what you've achieved. And and if you're if you're going down that rabbit hole, those are the three things you'll deal with. When you love the world. These are not from the Father. But they're from this world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. It's fading. We're trying to keep some things afloat, and it's like it kind of needs to fade. It kind of needs to just kind of go <laughs> needs to go. And, and, and so who do you want to be? Because you can be the ones that are fading away. Or, I love this, but anyone, anyone, tell your neighbor anyone, that means you could be one of those ones. Anyone who what? Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Amen? How do I please God? How do I please God? I go to church. Yeah, that pleases him. It says, "How do I please God?" I read my Bible. Yeah, I pray. Yeah, there's one way. Um, there's many ways we can please God, but he he talks about our life, and there's two kinds of people, and and I want us to go there in Matthew seven. It says here in um, Matthew seven twenty four to 27. And I think this is the biggest thing that we have to all check ourselves with because it's so easy to fall in this, this trap. Because we live in an information age and sometimes we can be content with information, create this thing in our head and think, you know, I'm super amazing, I've accomplished this, and... I'm so smart, but we've done nothing with it. My father-in-law was a contractor. Back in the day, they used to have, this was back, um, before they started teaching it in school, he he learned the trade by working with another guy who was a contractor and you learned it through the bumps and you just learned it as you went. Then they started putting it in school and they learned it in these textbooks and then of course he'd get apprentices that would come And they were these brainiacs. And then they were out there working with them. And they're like, it's not supposed to be done that way. You're supposed to do this. He's like, "Uh, no, try it. And they'd try it and it didn't work. Why? Because practical application of it, it didn't work half the time. And it frustrated them because they had all this knowledge and all these theories and all these different things. But when it came to the practical working it out, it didn't work. And so the word of God is clear on this to all of us. And it says here, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So we become wise when we follow it. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. So... This is what I always ask myself when I'm when I'm building on different things in my life. And how many know we have things that shake in our life? And we're going to look at this in the scriptures because the scriptures show us that things come to shake us. Um, Paul even said in Corinthians, I don't have it in the scripture uh, list here today. There's so many things I could have brought out, but he said, you know, he says, "I'm pressed down and shaken, but I'm not destroyed." And he says, you know, basically goes, Well, I'm looking at what is what is not seen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is not seen is eternal. And he said, and these things that hit me are achieving for me a far greater weight of glory. So they actually the, the hard times we go through as people of God, they work for us. In other words, we're not a victim. We employ our problems. They're employed by me. They work for me, but we're not always on that side of it, right? How many know sometimes we're not, depending on the circumstance? Sometimes we can come under fear. Sometimes through life it can bring us where we are a victim in that situation. That's where we need the Word of God. That's where we need God to, to come in and bring light into that area. Amen? This is the transformation process, but but it's as we take that word and we say, Okay, God, what do I do with this? How many know there's some f- verses that are hard? It's like God says it and you're like like love your enemies and be nice to them. You know, if they smack you on the cheek, give them turn the other cheek to them. Anyone else? Like it's like jumping up and yeah, I love that verse. You're my favorite. <laughs> it's like you're a liar. <laughs> there are there's bless We love the bless me verses, right? It's like all the but you know that I love that song, The Blessing. It's cuz it's scripture. It is, but there's spank me verses. <laughs> oh, sorry. Don't spend... They're training verses. Time-out verses. (laughs) Whatever you want to call it. They are to discipline us. Because that's what a disciple is. A disciple of Jesus is a disciplined follower of Christ. It takes discipline. And He will discipline us. But the fruit of it is good. Amen? It's so, so good. So good, and oh, it's so painful when you're in it. And, and the process is sometimes it just, it's hard. Sometimes. But when you get through it, you learn so much. I remember what Corrie Ten Boom said when she went through, I mean, 50, over 50 years old, she went through the, the worst concentration camp ever. Lost all her family because she hid Jewish people. She did what was right and was punished for it. Because she followed her conscience and she trusted God more than this world. And we're going to have to start doing that more. But she said she went through hard, 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 hard times. But she says she wouldn't trade any of it in because she says when you go to a hard school, but you have a good teacher, you learn much. And she was rich in what she had learned and what she had received because God was with her and he walked with it. And so when the storms came, her house stood. Amen. So what are you building? What are you building on? What are you seeking? Are you seeking his word? Are you seeking truth? Are you seeking answers from him? Because right now we've got Google. And you can Google anything. And you can seek this answer here and get all kinds of, how many know you can get a lot of answers. Some of them you don't want, but you get them. And, you know, it's like, like, no, are we going to him? Saying like, God, what is it? What do you want me to build for my ark of deliverance? Because he is creating the kingdom of God that we can live in, and that kingdom will not fail. Amen? And we can bring others into that kingdom. But he says here, this is the difference between the two, and it's a very small difference. So the one who follows, listens to the teaching, and Follows it. Puts it into practice. But it says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it. Both heard it. Both heard it. One put it into action and one didn't. It's not evil people who just do it. No, both heard it. He's talking to the church. He's talking to his people. He's saying, don't be one that hears it but doesn't do anything with it. You know, this is why we do replenish. Because we can take some time where we get into God's word and we look at some things that we can grab a hold of and actually apply and work it through. How many know I, you can only do so much in an hour and a half, two hours, right? I can't go whoosh, whoosh. Pull this out of you and put this in you, and you walk out of here and you're still changed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this better. I'm going to do that better. It's like, no, no, it's a process they have to walk through. And so when we take times where we're setting apart, like for replenish, we're sitting down, we're taking this time, we're actually allowing God to, to marinate us into some of these things, put in, it deeper in us. You're hearing where we can, how do I walk this out? You know, we're, we're looking at, how do I put feet to this? And, you know, how do we pray into these things? How do we bring that which is, and we're really focusing in on this. That's why I'm bringing this out, is according to your riches and glory, bringing what's there down. And what are the roadblocks to that? There's lots of roadblocks. What's, what's hindering that? And like, you don't want to be ripped off like me with the, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was ripped off for a good part of my life until I was 17. Ripped off. Why? Because I didn't know what was available to me. And I didn't know how to access it. We didn't want to be that. Amen? We want to be those who build our lives on the rock. Who hear and obey. Amen? Because both got the floods. It says here, and when the rains and floods and winds beat against that house, it collapsed with a mighty crash. So both got storms. If we can go on up for the... uh... So what we're going to do is we're going to do communion right now. And um, we're going to... We're going to consecrate ourselves to God. Because this is what he says in um, Hebrews 12. If you can start playing in the background. Hebrews 12 and verse 25. He says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. He says, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means... He says, um, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. So we are in a shaking time. And it's not, you know, people are like, oh, it's got to stop, it's got to stop. No, it's not going to stop. In the end times, if we follow scripture, if we are reading our Bibles, it's going to get worse on the world side, not on the church side, not on the people of God. It has no bearing on that. When we build our house on the rock, storms come and we stand. Amen? We stand. And we stand, not beat up, not destroyed. We stand whole in the power of God. We stand complete in the power of God. He preserves us. He enables us. I'm going to probably go into this maybe next week. Maybe not. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Probably a lot of people won't be here. But because you're with family, I'm not saying it in a bad way, and you have an evening service, that happens. Um, But the Bible is so full of people. When you look at the children of Israel, when the judgments and the plagues came to Egypt, God preserved them. When darkness came over Egypt, there was light in Goshen. There were so many different things where God preserved them in the midst of it. When they followed him and obeyed him. Because God wants to keep a covenant with his people so that we understand him and understand his ways. And within that covenant, that's where we're safe. Not where we just do our own thing. We don't understand that in our culture. But there, the Bible says there are many ways that seem right to a person, but it's, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. He understands and He knows all things. We're like, well, like, I just want to, you know, why is this not... You're looking at your small little pea brain and God who created everything, and who is was from the beginning to the end. And you're trying to process and put one little thing through and not understand it. And we put ourselves in the place of God so easily. And it's like God's like, no you need to trust me even with the hard things. Go back to my work. Go back to my pattern. Go back to my ways. Let's build what he's building and it will keep us. It will preserve us. And those around us. Because we don't just think about ourselves. It's the other thing about God. It's never just about you and me. So Jesus, first of all, Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.